to the Cincy Reform Podcast. Pastor Zach here. I'm the pastor of Westside Reform Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm here with my uh, usual uh, sidekick here, uh, Pastor Brandon Burks, who is the uh, church planting pastor at Christ Reformed in Florence, uh, Kentucky. And uh, we are today going to be talking about uh, reflecting on a uh, recent current event, you could say, that dovetails with theology in terms of a... Um, statement released by the Vatican and by Pope Francis called the Fiducia Supplicans. And uh, that's certainly gained a, a lot of attraction. I mean, I think most people probably don't pay much attention to whatever the Vatican says or any other church says. But this one was big because, as you probably saw, the headlines all say that the uh, Pope has then given permission to um, priests in the Roman Catholic Church uh, to bless same-sex couples. And that obviously um, is uh, going to be quite surprising to some who've not heard that. Uh, those who, who did see the, those headlines were certainly taken aback by that. And so we're going to be discussing that uh, uh, today in, in this episode. So, uh, Brandon, as we get started, do you want to just kind of maybe introduce us to some of the, um, uh, some of the uh, facts about the uh, situation? Sure, yeah. So, you know, the Pope offered this statement, and, you know, what's interesting about uh, the Pope, um, a lot of Popes, especially Pope Francis, is that he's able to say things uh, in such a way in which you walk away saying, which is it, or what does this really mean, or how is this going to look? And there's ways in which he can, and he's done this, I think, throughout his papacy, kind of speaking out to both sides of his mouth, um, and, and, and I think that, uh, you know, we, we see this kind of move, um, happen with, especially with, uh, since Second Vatican with, with Catholicism, um, not to wax too philosophical, but, um, Second Vatican brought, uh, brought to bear, uh, into the churches more of a modernist concern. Now, um, one of the things that they did was they built upon a philosopher named Immanuel Kant, and if you know anything about him, uh, he talked about how there is the phenomenal realm, which is the things that we can see, taste, touch, smell, this chair, and so on and so forth. Uh, but then there's this noumenal realm up there, and that's where God is, and and other things, and we, we, we know that, that it exists, but we can't know anything about it, and, and, and these kinds of things. But what the modernists did was they kind of used that category, that two-structured category, and built upon it. So, uh, for example, Karl Barth would talk about how Jesus rose again from the dead uh, in this, in this uh, kind of noumenal place, in what he called Geschichte, but not in actual history. And so, again, using this weird, uh, this thing, it really doesn't make any sense, but they're trying to uh, kind of build upon this Kantian thing. But you see Rome do that a lot, where they have this official doctrine and it never changes, and it's always there. And then how it like looks in the church is changing and contradicting and weird. Uh, and and we've we've just seen a lot of this kind of maneuver since Second Vatican. So for example, uh, 
many years ago in the medieval church, uh, it was, you know, the Roman Catholic Catholic Church would speak about how there's no salvation outside the Roman Catholic Church, and many of them would even condemn the, the Eastern Orthodox as heretics going to hell. They're outside of the official church. Uh, but then you come into Second Vatican, and of course they want to say, well, yeah, that big picture doctrine, that's there, doesn't change, but now within the church, maybe you can actually be saved, and you can actually be part of the church, even if you're in a Baptist church or Methodist church or Eastern Orthodox church. Uh, you can somehow kind of be looped in without your knowing, and therefore go to heaven. And the same way with this, with this uh, new doctrine now, where... The doctrine is has has not changed. The Roman Catholic Church does not officially support um, same-sex marriage. In the uh, Catholic Catechism, it actually says that is unnatural. Uh, it's, it's it's not ordered according to nature. It goes against nature, um, and so they would say homosexuality is indeed a sin. That is kind of the big category here. Uh, but now, how that comes to bear in the church? Well, things are morphing, and things can uh, get a little bit muddied. And now with this. And, and already, prior to this document, you had more progressive Catholics who were calling for the Pope to be, be more inclusive, to include uh, gay marriage and support homosexuals and stop calling it sin and stop rejecting it as unnatural, but wanting, and there's many in Germany, for example, uh, even some here in America, uh, priests and bishops and cardinals wanting the Catholic Church to change in this way, to become more inclusive. And then so the Pope writes this document um, that, and again, the document says they cannot support same-sex marriage, but they're going to bless um, these same-sex couples. Uh, and again, I think that, um, I think that we're, uh, they're sending a bit of a mixed signal, and the vagueness of the um, uh, the the vagueness of this of this article that uh, the the Pope wrote is I think going to cause a lot of uh, the, those who are who are on the left are going to be obviously very excited and they're going to run with it and they're going to do all kind of stuff with this document. Uh, those on the right might say, well, this really isn't changing much, and yes, we're going to maybe bless this or that, but they're going to try to minimize the impact on the church, and those on the left will maximize the impact on the church, and those who are just watching from the outside, for example, you can just read the headlines, Wall Street Journal and elsewhere, saying, oh, the Catholic Church now supports uh, same-sex marriage, or, or couples rather, not, not marriage, but they're going to say, you know, they, they, they give their blessing on these same-sex uh, unions, perhaps, uh, not marriage. And in fact, I was reading one article that was saying, well, Pope Francis has been okay with, with uh, same-sex unions and wanting a different category and blessing that and supporting that, but not saying it's marriage and sacramental and wanting to kind of bifurcate here. And so they're kind of reading that into this document as well. Uh, but what's interesting is when you look back at 2021, uh, the Roman Catholic Church gave a statement about blessings. You know, what are blessings and how do we understand blessings within the Roman Catholic Church? Here's what they said in 2021. Blessings belong to the category of the sacramentals, whereby the church calls upon us to praise God, encourages us to implore his protection, and exhorts us to seek his mercy by our holiness of life. 
In addition, they have been established as a kind of imitation of the sacraments. Blessings are signs above all the spiritual effects that are achieved through the church's intercession. Consequently, in order to confirm with the nature of the sacramentals when a blessing is invoked on particular human relationships, in addition to the right intention of those who participate, it is necessary that what is blessed to be objectively and positively ordered to receive and express grace according to the designs of God inscribed in creation, and fully revealed by Christ the Lord. Therefore, only those realities which are in themselves ordered to serve those ends are congruent with the essence of the blessing imparted by the church. And that was only a few years ago, 2021, and now we're in a position to where that is being contradicted, sidelined, that they're, they're not doing that anymore, because now we're going to be blessing something that the church officially up here says it's, it's, it's a sin, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, unnatural, not ordered, uh, but now we're going to bless it and apply a category of blessing to this thing. So that's kind of where I think some of uh, the rub's happening and there's confusion both inside and outside of Rome. Anything else you want to comment about that i think the a lot of this stuff is enabled by the roman doctrine that's called implicit faith and the reason i think that that comes into this first to define it implicit faith means that a, a congregant just needs to trust that the hierarchy knows what it's talking about that the congregation does not itself need to understand the doc doctrines up here they just go about things in their earthly life and within their parish life and then just trust that the priest knows what he's talking about, trust that the bishop knows what he's talking about, and then you just kind of get on with it within your local sphere. You don't need to be taught. You don't need to understand. This is why the Mass in the past was able to be held in Latin, which people could not understand and matter. And so I think that that kind of creates a context here where you can have this um, you know, contradictory way of going about things where the, the hierarchy knows what's up here, the official stuff, but then you have this uh, uh, contradiction of that within the real lived experience of the ordinary parishioner. What they see is not going to match up with what's in the um, uh, hierarchy's official dogma. What they see is going to just suggest to them uh, that uh, God is in favor of and uh, proactively blesses uh, same-sex marriage, that's going to be the assumption from what they see within their week-to-week uh, -week experiences. I think that that kind of plays into this as well, where um, the congregation is not uh, expected to understand the uh, doctrines. And frankly, the doctrines are oftentimes so convoluted and confusing that it takes a scholar to figure out what's going on and then the scholars just argue with themselves anyway about what they actually believe in the end. That's why they need lawyers to dig through their stuff. They don't want to just say things clearly and straightforwardly to call sin sin and to call goodness goodness. Right. And I think, too, what else is at play is this kind of idea of development of doctrine mm -hmm. uh, where within Rome they can just bring about new things. 
Um, now they would say it never defies the kind of the big doctrines appear, but you know they can they can uh, you know, develop things like the bodily assumption of Mary or something like this, and and uh, and even the Vatican, the way that they spoke about this was uh, kind of this 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 new thing that's coming about, and uh, again from a Protestant perspective, that's that's interesting. And one of the things that the Protestant uh, forefathers certainly um, fought against was the development within Roman Catholicism that, that developed Roman Catholicism away from Scripture and the Christian tradition. So kind of turning, maybe maybe shifting gears towards looking now more biblically, like how, how should we maybe sift through this biblically? Um, the Bible just presents homosexuality as something that is ill-ordered, uh, that is sinful, and that marriage is between a, a man and a wife, and that same-sex marriage is um, not marriage at all, and it should, should not be celebrated. Uh, what should be celebrated is the marriage that is uh, set up in, in the Bible. And so just one passage to uh, kind of kick this off with. Um, uh, Paul is uh, writing in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, and he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our Lord. And so as we're thinking about blessings uh, and giving blessings, uh, you're, I think you're, you're sending a mixed message when you're saying, well, I will bless the same-sex couple um, in a way that the Bible wouldn't bless in that way. Uh, you're sending a mixed message that Paul here, for example, in our text, is, is calling to repentance these things. And so Rome is wanting to bless what the Bible is not allowing us to bless. And you're also sending a, a mixed message because so many couples are now, and, and they've been showing them in the headlines as well, uh, the, these couples are now coming to their priests who might be more left-leaning. In fact, one priest donned a rainbow uh, scarf, and he gave this blessing as they were holding hands. And of course, the document said that this couldn't look like marriage, but that's exactly what it's going to look like. And they're, they're giving a blessing, and they're not calling to repentance in the way that the Apostle Paul is, saying the, these such sins will, sinners will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, but such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, and you're no longer defined by those things. Now you're defined by righteousness and Christ. And so um, by saying, well, I'm going to bless what the Bible condemns, and not call to repentance and faith, and not call to a better life, well, that is going to, I think, send a mixed message and convolute really the gospel itself uh, in terms of um, uh, repentance and faith in Christ and righteousness and what that looks like and celebrating sins that ought not be celebrated. Um, and also I do want to bring up one, one other aspect to, to this as well, because it's one thing as, as Christians... 
as we, we look out at policies and laws and movements in society and official dogmas of the Catholic Church or whatever it is, and we can really decry these and really um, feel the weight of this movement that's shifting in a negative direction, and we can decry such a thing, but there's also the element of speaking with the individual as well. And so, you know, I want to be sensitive that um, there are people who struggle with same-sex attraction. And so, you know, as they, they, they listen to his chat about, uh, you know, and decrying these movements and these shifts in society and culture and church, uh, of course, these we, we do decry them because it is an unfortunate reality. But at the same time, we, we want to uh, say to those who are struggling with same-sex attraction or those who have given over to a lifestyle of same-sex marriage or whatever it is, that the church is a hospital for sinners. The church is a place where we come together, we repent of our sins together, we help each other, um, uh, and as we fail, we preach the gospel to one another. And so uh, the church is, is not uh, this place on a, on a pedestal saying, oh, you guys are terrible and, and, and we hate you, but we're saying, hey, we are, we are sinners, all of us, and we need Christ and we need his grace and we need to repent of our sin and live a life, as Luther said, of repentance and faith each and every day, preaching the gospel to ourselves. And that message is a bit lost, I think, in what Rome is doing with saying, well, we're going to give this blessing um, in a way that the Bible wouldn't permit it, in a way that really contradicts their own doctrines and dogmas, but, uh, and it's in a convoluted and vague way. So again, uh, boots on the ground, as it's worked out in in uh, the life of the church, you're going to have those on the left who will ramp it up and those on the right who will try to minimize. Um, but again, the Bible is not permitting us to, to offer such blessings to such unions, um, even as uh, we want to welcome and be loving to sinners and preach the gospel of grace that Christ says, come to me all who are heavy. Uh, who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so we want to promote that to everybody, everyone who uh, is in sin, whether that's uh, a sin of, of uh, greed or pride or same-sex attraction or whatever it is. Uh, Christ is, is always the answer. I think that the compassionate thing many people oftentimes think is just to always be nice to people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The way that the, the world defines niceness is just like to not offend. Mm -hmm. But I think the true compassion we have to recognize is to... You know, understand where someone's coming from, and to but then to to tell them the truth, what they need to hear, and that doesn't mean you, you need to be mean about it. Doesn't mean right. you need to be um, harsh or brash. It doesn't mean you treat everyone like a like their individual story doesn't matter. But you have to tell the truth, and I think that's one of the the thing that bothers me the most about this is that there's a failure to tell the truth according with Scripture, and that is really the compassionate thing. And we were thinking about some biblical texts that we um, want to turn to and think about here. And of course, I think that Romans 1 is a very clear place to go because the it's if you're reading Romans 1 verses 18 through 25 in any sort of a honest way, you'll see that same-sex relations are not blessed by God and that it's actually evidence of God turning us over and that because of our sin, because we've not worshiped the true God, then he turns us over to unnatural desires. The, the way of thinking about this in Romans one is that 
the most natural thing for us to do as creatures is to worship the creator. He's the creator, we're the creature, and we're different from one another. And that's our worshiping him is natural. But then when we began to worship other creatures, then rather than doing what's natural, then God gave us over to what is unnatural in our bodies. In other words, because our worship is unnatural, creatures worshiping creatures, he gives us over to a lifestyle that is self-destructive in order to wake us up, really, in order to bring us to conviction, in order to help us see that we ought not continue to worship creaturely things, but we should rather turn to the creator who made us. And so that way of turning us over is a way of waking us up, sign the alarm to say that this is a self-destructive, this is not a blessed way to live, not a blessed way to flourish. And so, you know, repent of your sins and come back to me. And so once again, a reason why we cannot, um, biblically speaking, bless those kinds of things or give the illusion that we are to act like we are while maybe technically we're not. Yeah. And so maybe we can close by just reflecting on, you know, how does this affect us? You know, here we are, Reformed Presbyterian Christians. Uh, how does what uh, the Roman Catholic Church over there, you know, how, how is that going to affect us? And and it does in a cultural way, I think. Um, you know, I was, um, we've been walking through in family devotions in uh, the book of Revelation. And, you know, it's interesting as Christ is giving those letters to the seven churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3, uh, there's, there's churches where a lot of bad things are happening within the church. False teaching, uh, Jezebel and Balaam and the Nicolaitans, and they're teaching a form of compromise, uh, kind of a compromised uh, Christianity, a compromised way of just going along with culture, giving in to sin, giving in to idolatry, giving in to sexual immorality, and uh, trying to make a, a kind of blend the, a li- a, a, the world of sin with the church. And, uh, and again, so many of these heretics are, were, were doing that in those early days, and Jesus is rebuking so many of them. He, he, he calls them out by name, he rebukes them, and, and he commends those who did not give in to the compromise, who did not follow these teachings. And throughout church history, this has kind of been uh, the same thing as well. I was uh, reminded reading a, a biography of um, Bonhoeffer, and uh, in Germany, you had the confession, the, the, the confessional church and the concordant church. The concordant church went along with Hitler, went along with the Nazis, wanted to just kind of, again, remain peaceful, not offend anybody, um, minimize things. And then you had the confessional church that was um, being condemned. And, of course, the Nazis were saying, well, how come you can't be more like like this church, you know, they're going along with us. And then you see, saw the same thing with Stalin and the Soviet Union. And uh, we're reminded of uh, the um, uh, Richard Wormbrand and, and his wife, Sabina, who um, the uh, Soviet Union were, had all these church leaders. And they had a big radio program and it had all the church leaders come out and verbally give their uh, praise for the communist regime. And uh, all these church leaders lined up from various denominations. 
And they wanted Richard Wormbrand to give his uh, because he was kind of a, a big name. He was a Lutheran pastor. And he went up there and boldly condemned the Soviet Union, condemned Stalin and everybody else. And he was uh, consequently imprisoned and tortured for a long time, he and his wife. Um, he did survive, though. But uh, there's, so there's always been this kind of compromised church and faithful church and uh, those in power who are who want to go in a bad direction always point to that compromised church and say this is you know this is true Christianity you know they're they're going along with us they're okay with this stuff and I think more and more what happens now as Rome is capitulating to culture capitulating to sin in society I think what we're gonna have more and more of is we're gonna feel more marginalized as we are the confessional church standing upon the Word of God that is inerrant and infallible and uh, we're gonna be seen and painted as weirdos and say well even even Rome here is now blessing this and even and and so we're gonna again I think feel more marginalized as the uh, confessional church gets more pushed aside. Any other thoughts about how that how it impacts us? I don't think so. I think that's well put, and I think that uh, it's going to be... Um, it doesn't, doesn't help us, for sure. Maybe it wakes up some Roman Catholics in due time to uh, question uh, their ultimate authority and recover the authority of the Word of God rather than a Pope. I mean, those kinds of things could, uh, could be... Um, uh, unintended consequences of this, but uh, you know, Lord willing, we, uh, by God's grace, hold fast to the Word of God through these things. Yeah. But thanks for joining us on this episode of the Sensory Reform Podcast. Uh, we do appreciate you, um, Pastor Zach. You're with Pastor Brandon, and so we hope that uh, this has been informative for you, helpful for you, and hopefully encourages you to hold fast to God's Word, uh, no matter the con the uh, cultural consequences of that. So until next time, bye bye.